On today's episode, the benefits of base training with Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. We have Dwayne Scotty, good friend of the podcast, on, and we have uh, worked for the last couple of years, ever since the making of this podcast, start working together, jumping on each other's podcasts, appearing as guests, and talking about some really insightful topics, and really just feeding off each other um, to produce some nice content. And uh, I thought it'd be really nice, timing-wise, to have Dwayne talk about base training. He does a lot of work with runners and is a running coach as well as a podcast host of The Healthy Runner and times well with the previous episode talking about the benefits of easy running, accumulating a lot of weekly mileage when it comes to performance benefits. And so if you haven't listened to the last episode, um, as I had reviewed an article about easy running and how it um, hits the the top tier runners, the, the elite runners and it matters for their running performance. I thought it'd be nice to have Dwayne talk about base training. And so time's in really well. And let's welcome Dwayne. Dwayne Scotty, good friend of the podcast. Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to catch up with my uh, colleague from down under there. <laughs> I uh, was very interested in your podcast episode on base training that you had on the Healthy Runner podcast and uh, thought it would be a nice, nice topic to, to cover. And so thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. I know that we've sort of been collaborating and um, being guests on each other's podcasts for quite a, quite a while now. But I think base training is right up your alley being like the physical therapist, but also a pretty well-respected running coach as well. So if we dive into base training, um, can we just dive straight in and say like just educate the listeners on what base training actually is and what you refer to when you say base training? Yeah, well, first off, you know, definitely thank you for the invite. Again, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And I just love all of the great uh, content that you're putting out there, educating our running community. So thank you for doing that. There uh, needs to be more folks like yourself sharing all of this good information that you do share. So thank you for that. And I guess, you know, I just really want to start out with is you know, the significance of this topic. And, you know, this is something that I am passionate about because this is definitely the number one reason why I've seen so many injured runners throughout my 19 year career as a physical therapist, um, because runners either don't build up kind of that proper running base or foundational training period, 
or they actually do too little during this period of training before they actually jump into and sign up for that half marathon or they sign up for that marathon. So they haven't actually done enough to get into the marathon training or the half marathon training. And that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, helping runners from like a coaching perspective as a physio to really help guide, you know, the runner in following a lot of the principles that we're going to talk about today. And I'm excited to share it with your uh, listeners, Brody. So yeah, if you're, if you're good with it, we can get into kind of the definition of what, you know, base training is. Yeah. Cause how I would, like to think is just like putting in or slowly building up like a, a large mileage, like whether it's like low intensity, whether it's um, just like the, those easy miles is just trying in the safest way possible to accumulate that weekly mileage. Am I on the, on the mark there or is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, no, exactly. It is a matter of really getting the body ready for the demands of more rigorous training, right? So this is that introductory or foundational period of training, um, or this could be the first phase of a training cycle. So this can really occur for like, let's say our new runners, right? Our runners who are just starting out for the first time, um, they're going to start with this base training and these principles that we're going to talk about today. Or like you and I see a lot of injured runners who are coming back from an injury. Let's say they were getting treatment and they were told to stop running, which, you know, we all know that many of the injuries that we see that might not be the case, but that's kind of a different story for a different day. Um, but let's say they were shut down from running for one month, two months, three months, four, five, six, right? You've seen those folks. I've seen them. Um, this is the phase that they need to start back up on before they can jump into full-blown marathon training. Um, or this could be for those experienced runners, the time period between race training cycles, Right. So if you do a here in the States, you do a spring marathon, then after your marathon's done, you go through that recovery period, whether it is a week or two weeks, and then you enter base training phase of training before you train for your fall marathon. Right. So it's a time period in between um, you know, those races, or it could be that off season after your race season is done. Right. So some folks might have this kind of six month kind of race season. Right. And they might run some five K's. They might run, you know, half fast half and then they build up to a marathon or whatever distances that you're training for. And then you kind of shut it down. Like here, I live in the northeast in you know, the U.S. and Connecticut. And it's pretty much November hits. And, you know, you might do a turkey trot around Thanksgiving and then that's it. Like most folks go into off season training. So like December, January. February, this is where this is our off season, so to speak, or the time we spend doing this base training. Mm. I like how there's so many different uses for it or so many times throughout the year. Um, but one thing I want to focus on, because a lot of people either want to increase their running performance safely, or they want to um, prevent their risk of injury. They want to get that injury reduction down as much as possible. And from an injury perspective, going back to like foundation principles of injury management, you want to make sure that when you're running the loads that you accumulate during your running just doesn't exceed the capacity of certain tendons, muscles, ligaments, joints, all those sort of things. And the base training can be really, really nice for 
building up capacity for all of those joints, all of those ligaments, all of those structures, so that it's harder to exceed those limits once you um, get into either running at harder efforts or getting into longer runs. And so it's building up that foundation. We've heard those, um, that kind of terminology or those um, saying that like, you got to build a house on a really strong foundation. I think we hear that quite often and it makes so much sense when it comes to base training, just trying to get some mileage, some really easy, safe mileage under your legs to build up that capacity and build that foundation before you start building on top of that. Um, so it makes sense from the injury perspective, but really good timing wise to talk about this from the performance side of things. Cause I just did um, an episode talking about easy running, really easy mileage and looking at the world elites um, when it comes to marathon, half marathon. And they did a study where they looked at their 10 week preparation before their goal race and found that the amount of weekly mileage that they did was more of a predictor of performance than um, any other kind of interval sessions or time trial sessions or any of those harder intensity sort of sessions. And so when it talks about easy running and your weekly mileage, if those um, are more accumulated than your competitors, then you have a better performance advantage. And so they looked at that 10 weeks prior, but in order to rack up those, the accumulate those weekly mileages, that takes, you know, several months to slowly build that up and then start um, observing them 10 weeks before that, that race. So, we're tackling it from the injury perspective as well as the performance side of things can be really profound. Um, anything you wanted to add there of what, what I was just commenting on? No, that's some great, great points there, Brody. And I, I really think of it as maybe like four kind of key benefits of base training. And you just, you know, explained the health aspect so well, right? It keeps us healthy. And you said it perfectly. So I'm not even going to add anything to that <laughs> in terms of like building up, you know, the resilience in our tissues and our tendons, especially. Right. So that's the, mm. be, you know, a big benefit. Second benefit is going to really build the foundation of your running fitness. So this is kind of going to that performance aspect that you talk about. And really the third, and we can kind of get into that a little bit more of what that actually means. But, you know, the third is really adding this variety in our training. So we're not always training hard, right? How many runners do you come in contact with that say, oh, okay, well, what are you currently doing right now for your runs? And they're like, well, I go out there, you know, three times a week, four times a week, five times a week, and I run a 5K, right? And they're doing the same thing and they're doing the same effort level each time they go out there for a run and they're running hard. Or as we start out as new runners, many runners have the goal of weight loss, right? And they think, okay, in order to lose weight, I got to go out there and run hard because that's what I was accustomed to when I took that gym class, that boot camp class, that CrossFit class. It was high intensity, right? You're doing HIIT training, right? High intensity. So they think I'm going to run. I got to make it high intensity and they go out there too hard. Um, or again, the same person all year long, they're running at that same intensity, right? So this adds a good amount of variety. And back to your original point, keeps us healthy, right? And also prevents us from getting mentally burnt out. So we've actually just had a couple runners in our community that did experience that because they were training hard 
you know, throughout the year. So, you know, keeping yourself physically healthy as well as mentally healthy is important. So you're adding that variety in your training. And, you know, this really goes to the concept, and I'm sure you've talked about this many times in your podcast about, you know, periodization and training cycles and really thinking about looking at your training in 12, 16, or 20-week blocks, right, or training cycles. Each of these training blocks has a specific goal. So you're not doing the same type of workouts. You're not doing the same type of runs all year long. And, you know, this can also be thought as some people say, you know, you have this rest period and then you go into this easy running or base phase, right, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then you have this hard running, which is the preparation before your goal race, right? So then you peak. The goal is to get that timing right where you're peaking right before your race, and then you have this rest and recover phase after it, right? So you're having that variety in your training or periodizing your, you know, training with training cycles. And then really the fourth benefit that I really look at from a nutritional standpoint, and um, Brooke is our uh, registered dietitian in our Healthy Runner community, and really she always talks about how this allows us time to focus on nutrition without all the pressure, right? How many times have you, you know, had a runner who, you know, is building up their long runs, and you put so much pressure on yourself, and you're like, okay, I got to, you know, test out what I'm going to do for my half marathon or my marathon, and you have all this pressure. So it gives us this this phase or this time in our training where we can experiment a little bit with different types of products. We can see what works well. We can see what doesn't work well. And, and there's not that added stress and pressure. And hey, you have some GI upset, you know, then you know, right? And, and there's no pressure because it's not like, oh my goodness, my race is only four or five weeks away. Um, so, and you can also get back to the basics of nutrition and really, you know, without going kind of too high level and getting too complicated um, with your nutrition. So there's a, really those four benefits of this uh, base training phase beyond, you know, the injury prevention side of things. What would you say if, because every runner has different motivations for running, what, what would you say if someone said, yeah, I get the benefits of this base training, this really low intensity, accumulating mileage, building up capacity, but I find it really boring. I find the slow stuff, um, it just doesn't excite me. And so I more gravitate towards the more interval sessions, the harder sessions, because that's where I get enjoyment and feel like it's a bit more of a workout. Um, do you have any replies to that? Any, anything that, any advice you'd have for those type of runners? Well, yeah, I would, I would really just, you know, start out and meet them where they're at, right, and see what their goals are, right, first off, and, you know, is their goal to get faster for a specific event? We talk about, you know, what has their training looked like um, in the past, and what do they feel like is limiting them from being able to get a PR that they've been chasing for, you know, five to six years. And we'd really, you know, investigate what their training looks like. So there is no one size fits all approach. We are definitely talking about generalizations um, on this podcast so we can hit the majority of runners listening. But it is really like anyone that we work with from a coaching standpoint, it's individualized, right? We're going to personalize it to what their goals are, but really start out the education and, you know, the benefits that 
we just talked about. And then especially if that runner has had a history of niggles and they've had a history of, you know, these injuries that keep reoccurring um, or they really feel like they're they're not peaking at the right time. Right. And, you know, we're going to get into kind of the, the components of this base training. But, you know, also if, if you can add enjoyment and variety by doing activities that they haven't done and think of it as a challenge, think of it as a game. Right. And have you done strength training before? Right. And OK, let's start to add this into your training for this training block and then see how your legs feel after that, right? And usually all the runners we work with, as you know, I'm sure with your runners as well, they're going to say, oh, my legs feel lighter for my runs. I actually feel stronger out there for my runs. I feel like it's easier to run at a faster pace. So these are all the things that we talk about and, and there are ways that we can spice up and we'll talk about that, um, this kind of base training phase where it, it is a misconception that it's like, okay, just go out there and run slow and run long and it's all boring. So there are ways that we could spice it up. Nice. I think you answered that perfectly. Exactly what I would have said that it comes down to, first of all, education, um, highlighting the benefits of it, but a lot of runners that I've worked with that have that objection saying, I just find it really boring. They usually don't really give it a good go. I, I say like, just try running at a really easy pace and um, try that for a couple of weeks and see if you do start noticing an enjoyment of it. Cause you might start noticing a different aspect of running. It might not be the burn in the legs or like the heavy breathing and that real sense of a workout, but just getting that fresh air, getting out in nature, just like feeling really easy and then seeing the benefits on top of that because you're like, oh my God, I've accumulated this mileage and I still feel great. Or, hey, when it comes to my harder efforts, like you said, I'm performing a lot better because my legs are fresher because you're getting that balance of intensity, um, getting that balanced out, getting that correct. So exactly what I would have said. And then as soon as the performance side of it ticks over, then they start to appreciate and potentially enjoy the the benefits of that easy running. And so that enjoyment sort of is secondary to that. Um, the, like we said, uh, the, the main components of base training, because we haven't really delved into like sort of the nitty gritties or like the numbers of sides. If there is a particular formula, I know you said it's all, I guess, tailored to individuals, but generally speaking, what are the certain components that we need to have for base training for a successful base training? Yeah. So the, the, Definitely the biggest component, the most important ingredient, if you will. Um, you know, I really think of kind of like three main ingredients. The first is definitely going to be aerobic fitness is key. So that is the main goal. And that's why, you know, it has this misconception of like just run slow and run long. But this needs to be the priority and the focus of building the mileage with easy conversational pace running and building up those long runs. So building your aerobic base at the start of your season doesn't only create this strong foundation, it also sets you up for success of the harder and more intense workouts later on. Um, and, you know, cycling this base training typically takes really between six to 12 weeks, um, depending upon the individual and where their level of fitness is. Um, you know, starting really at the beginning of your training season, well before your goal event. So you don't have that pressure to try to run faster, 
right? Um, and, you know, you and I talked about this um, on the Run Smarter podcast, episode tw- uh, 124, Brody, when we talked about those three types of runs and we talked about some details of, you know, conversation pace. Like, what is this aerobic pace? How do we do it? We run, yes, slower at a conversation pace. So if we're using RPE, radiant perceived exertion, we're going at about that, you know, five to six on a scale of 10. And our goal is to keep our heart rates lower and, you know, in that zone two or zone three. And we're really looking to train our cardiovascular system, our heart, our muscular system to be more efficient at absorbing, delivering kind of the nutrients, oxygen, removing waste from your muscles. You know, at the cellular level, there are things that are happening where we're actually, you know, maximizing or really, um, you know, allowing the best possibility for our bodies to process oxygen. And that's going to make us more efficient as runners when we go to run the harder stuff. And then, you know, definitely, you know, adding those forces, like you mentioned, into our legs or, you know, muscles um, and really allowing that adaptation for our tendons, because if you're anything like me, middle-aged runner, right, adult onset runner, then our tendons aren't as healthy as they were in our 20s. So if you're a 40s, 50-year-old runner listening to this, then this is important um, to actually build those forces into your tendons, because it's not running that is causing your Achilles tendinopathy to keep you know, creeping up every time you go to train hard right before you peak before your race, it's because we haven't built up the uh, strength and resiliency in those tendons. And Brody has talked, you know, plenty on his podcast and how we do that with exercise. And, you know, your running also needs to do that as well, right? In your training. So yeah, definitely. If you guys want more of a deeper dive, listen to Brody's, you know, podcast episode 124. We had a nice chat about kind of those three essential types of running. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. You're doing my, my job very well for me, uh, <laughs> pointing to my, my other podcast episodes. Well done. <laughs> I, I thought I'd ask any common mistakes that you see because you obviously work with a lot of runners and you you probably see their particular strategies and um, habits before they start working with you and you maybe have picked a few things up. Any any common mistakes that you see? Um, yeah. So before, actually, before we get into mistakes, Brody, if I can also add in um, other essential ingredients to this base training phase, definitely has to be strength training. And this is really critical. This is the most important time that runners need to add strength training in order to run, right? As opposed to looking at running as our form of training, this is the time to double down on your strength training. So for those of you who are in this quote unquote off season, or you're actually not, you you haven't started training for that marathon. The time to add strength training is not four weeks before your marathon, not eight (laughs) weeks before your marathon, right? Because now you're overloading on the running side and the strength training side. So strength training is key, critical component um, during this time, especially, especially if you've suffered that Achilles, PHT, um, you know, any of your tendon pains, right? Your posterior tip, pronoun, whatever tendon it is, 
you have to strength train during this base training period. It's not even like in addition. It is not cross training. It is foundational. Just like we talked about aerobic fitness is foundational and key. This is where you need strength training. So I, I definitely need to say that because I'm so passionate about uh, this is the time period of the year where you need to double down. And this is where, you know, some runners I have doing three times a week of strength training, depending upon their level of fitness, how many years they've been doing strength training. So like myself right now, this is when I get back in the gym three times a week for this kind of eight to 12 week training block before I really hit the harder, faster runs. And then I bump down to twice a week. And then for those doing marathon training, I bump their strength training down to once a week, you know, as they're starting to peak in their mileage. So just thinking about like when we talked about the runs, you want to think about that for your strength training as well during, um, you know, all of your training throughout your year, but, you know, thinking in terms of these training cycles. And then the other really ingredient, Brody, that, you know, we can add into this and it kind of talks um, or speaks to your point of this being quote unquote boring um, is you can add faster elements into your workouts as long as we are not kind of crossing that threshold and like quote unquote redlining. So the whole goal here, right, is we want to do aerobic training and not cross over to anaerobic training where we're not utilizing oxygen, right? And Arthur uh, Lydiard, he was like famous for kind of saying this when he worked with his Olympic athletes is that during this base training phase, you know, he felt that all of his athletes should not go anaerobic at all, right? So he wouldn't have them do interval training during this time period because then that's when, right, if you're running hard, you're huffing and puffing, you're going without oxygen. So it's a matter of, you can do some faster pace running, but we don't want to cross over that threshold. So we want to run at or slower than our lactate threshold, which is usually our tempo pace. So does that mean we do long tempo runs during this phase? No. But a lot of my athletes, I'll program in some shorter intervals at that threshold pace or that tempo pace and then we're going to keep them shorter duration. So we never actually cross over that kind of threshold. So you can add those in during this time period, especially if you've done speed work before. If you are a new runner, beginner runner, I wouldn't add this during your base training phase. But for those that are experienced with um, you know, speed work or they've been a cross-country athlete, a track athlete, they, you know, done multiple road races before um, as an adult, then we can add in these faster elements as well as doing strides during the week to kind of spice things up, get that leg turnover without actually crossing that threshold into anaerobic training. And then also, you know, progression runs and fartlek workouts or other types of workouts that we can add that variety so we're not just only, like you said in the beginning there, you know, running slow and, and getting bored while we're out there. Yeah. So those three essential ingredients would be that aerobic fitness, the strength training, and then the, the luxury, if you do, if you are an experienced runner to add in a few of those other faster elements being short intervals and strides, uh, the differentiation between short intervals, do you want to just give an example of just like how quickly I know how fast their intervals are and what the duration of those intervals are during this phase so if you're at that yeah, tempo so di differentiating that 
making sure we're not doing those long intervals. Um, we're just keeping mm-hmm. to the short. So w- what sort of duration are they doing those and like how many repeats as just a brief example? Yeah. So, you know, typically for a tempo workout, for those who have done those before during marathon or half marathon training, you could go out there and you're really trying to run at that threshold pace for 20 to 30 minutes. Right. And, and then you might, come down a little bit and then do more. So you could do a five mile total tempo run with three miles in the middle sandwiched at that threshold pace. But here, what I usually do for my athletes, like, you know, I'm actually, I have this on my, my training plan for tomorrow, um, is each (laughs) mile I will do a minute rest. So I'm literally going a mile at that threshold pace, not pushing it, making sure I am keeping it at really that seven out of 10 effort level, you know, definitely not huffing and puffing, you know, going on effort more so than watching my watch and seeing, am I hitting my times, right? And that's the other luxury of this base training phase is mentally, we can get a break a little bit, right? We don't have to always be like a slave to our watches and make sure we're hitting our paces. And if I, you know, in this week's workout, I didn't go as fast as I did last week and I'm a failure, right? It's really go on effort keep it somewhat easy and just decrease that duration that you are going. Some of my athletes I'll do for a half mile and then they'll do a minute of recovery at an easy pace and they'll do another half mile, right? So you, it's almost like a fart lick essentially, right? Where you're keeping it fun or, you know, if you want to run for, okay, I'm going to run to that, you know, traffic light all the way down there at a faster pace. I'm going to go at a seven out of 10 effort level and then I'm going to recover. And just to keep it fun during this phase too, I'm a big uh, proponent of that and really, you know, going on effort, especially during this time period of uh, base training. Nice one. Okay, let's dive into some common mistakes that you see with runners. What do you have for me? Yeah, so this is actually, I I actually uh, fielded, I got the assistance of our kind of coaching team here and I'll share some of their thoughts as well. But, you know, my thoughts were initially adding too much too soon um, or rushing the process because again, they get bored, especially for the new runner who's just starting out or even someone who is experienced. And like you said, you know, they they just get antsy and they just want to go to the next step. And they just want to start running fast. Um, and then the other you know, common mistake I see a lot is just running your easy runs too fast. So you are in that what we call gray zone. And you're, you're not running slow enough, but you're not running fast enough to actually get the you know, physiologic changes that you get with faster running. So you're kind of in this gray zone and you're not maximizing the aerobic benefit. So it is very common for all my athletes that I see, you know, what their runs are and their paces. And I look on, you know, I use the training platform, Final Surge, where I give them feedback a lot of times and saying like, well, was this effort level really at a five to a six? And they're like, well, no, but I'm just used to, you know, I, I, I can't run anything faster than a 10 minute mile. And, you know, they or, you know, anything slower, sorry. I can't run anything slower than a 10 minute mile. Or, you know, they're afraid to see an 11 on their watch or they're afraid to see a 12 on their watch. And that, that's where I know that, okay, we need to reframe, educate, and let's go over again the benefits of why we're doing what we're doing right now. Um, 
And it is, again, it's not the, the sexy thing, right? It's not when everyone's like all jazzed up right before their, their marathons and they do their 20 miler. It's like, yes, I did it. Or their 18 miler, you know, half marathon training, you know, you get to double digits, long run. You're like, yes, 10 mile long run. You know, those things are like cool, sexy. Like everyone gets pumped up. They take selfies, they post it. No one's posting like their, you know, base training slow run that they probably <laughs> run at the slowest pace that they've ever seen. And it's not sexy, but this is how we get results. And even, you know, it's not only a matter of just asking any run coach, but you ask the pros and the elites, like they'll tell you the same thing. Like that's what they do. Yes, they run super fast um, as runners in, you know, competition, but they have many training runs that are are very, very slow. And it's just humbling. I love when you hear from elite runners who, you know, say what their paces are and they're like, oh yeah, they went for like a 10 or a nine minute pace run. And you're like, wow, they went for that. And I'm too scared to do this. And I'm, you know, two or three minutes slower than they are per, you know, vial. So it, it is always good to hear, hear that from them. But those would be mine. Um, you know, our coach cat in our community, really uh, highlights that, you know, if you think you ran eight miles two months ago, that you can just start with eight miles again, if you haven't been running at all. And right, so we get people who go in the off season, and they go off season, off season, they go like no running. And then they're like, Oh, well, you know what, last time, I used to do eight miles, and they just jump back into eight miles. So that's kind of what she highlighted, uh, Coach Lou highlighted, really not looking at the big picture. And, you know, think about what your main target is during this cycle. And, you know, another common one is racing too much. You, you shouldn't be racing at all in base training phase, right? That's the whole point. Um, so if you're racing during it, then you're truly not in base training phase. Um, and then, you know, broker registered dietitian really talks about not taking the nutrition seriously. And I thought this was great. So I just had to share it because this is true. And I, you know, sometimes I overlook the nutrition side, but how many runners do we know, right? That they're like done marathon training or half marathon training. And then they're like, oh, okay, good. I don't have to worry about like eating clean because it's going to affect my long run and my performance. And their nutrition just goes like out the window. And then, you know, they make these resolutions or they sign up for their race. They're like registered. You post it. You're like pumped. Yay. I'm doing this marathon. It's like, okay, Monday starts. Now I got to get my nutrition, uh, you know, taken care of. But the base phase is really the time to hone in on the basics, right? And get a good understanding of fueling and what your body needs. And then, you know, a lot of us are guilty of slacking during that base training period, but arguably it really is the most important time to focus on nutrition. So you could build a good foundation for your race season. So just like the running foundation, you know, think about building that foundation of nutrition, which is definitely going to affect your performance as well. Yeah, one of the ones I loved out of that that list was not looking at the big picture because base training is exactly what it is. Ba the base training is um, trying to focus or um, plan for the big future. And it's kind of like, like you say, it's not the sexy stuff, but it's what reaps the rewards down the track in six months time or, you know, when it comes to that race. And a lot of people love the heat of the moment. They're like trying to get specific for their event, you know, trying to plan exactly how race day goes and what the, 
like doing those intervals to prepare for that day. But you know, the, the several months before that, when all that, before that excitement happens, um, that those are the essential ingredients that might be a bit boring, but you kind of need to see the big picture to carry over and start reaping those rewards. So I really like that. And I do think as runners, we, we do hone in a little bit too much on the short, like immediate future rather than seeing the big picture, seeing how your performance has been over the last 12 months, how many times have you been injured, how well have you performed in races and really struggle. Like a lot of people repeat a lot of their mistakes over and over again because they don't take that big scope and look back on it. Um, yeah, so great point there. The one thing I wanted to talk about was the the RPE that you've kind of assigned. You said that the, the RPE is around about a five or a six out of 10. And I'm wondering whether, um, say my RPE calibration, because it's all like quite subjective. Usually when I say really easy running, I usually assign that as about a three or a four out of 10 because I sort of pick... A two is kind of like fast walking and one is kind of like, you know, you're um, not exerting at all. It's like sitting or just walking and that sort of stuff. So I usually assign the really, really easy stuff, like feeling like you can do it for hours at the three, four, and then the five, sixes being kind of like you're running. It's that you're comfortable, but it's like borderline comfortable. You're sort of just like hitting that kind of, you're just below that tipping point of, getting into that uncomfortable, which I sort of assign to like the six to sevens. Um, are we on the same kind of calibration and you're okay with people honing in on that five, six? Yeah, I would, you know, the, and there is, you're right. There are different ways to look at it. You know, some, you know, look at if they want to do max heart rate, but we all know the limitations of that and our tracking devices aren't the most reliable. Or, you know, if you think zone two or zone three training, um, so I wouldn't say you necessarily need to be in zone one, um, you know, during this time period when you are trying to build up that aerobic fitness, you know, the conversation test is usually a good one. However, I've, I've known some runners who could run pretty fast and still have a conversation and myself, I struggle honestly to have a conversation, even running at a, you know, a five effort level. Um, I'm just not coordinated with my breathing as I should. <laughs> and, you know, so the, it, it is individualized to the person. And I do see some of my runners that, you know, say a lot lower. Um, so you really have to, you know, look at it in the big picture. And when you start doing other pace runs, you just want to make sure there's some variability there. Right. And you want to make sure you can see a difference that when they're running this quote unquote easy run versus when they're running at that threshold pace run or a tempo run. So you want to be able to see that difference in those paces. But you're right. It is subjective. And, um, you know, you will you know, we can get a general idea of looking at some of the data from heart rate that we can see, you know, from our Garmin's. So I'll, I'll use that and see like how quickly is our heart rate kind of spiking in the beginning of their run? And, you know, does it level off? Um, are they starting to increase during the runs? And then how much elevation are they running? Are they running with a lot of hills in their area? Because then that's going to get it to spike. And, you know, the runner might think, oh, I'm supposed to maintain this quote unquote easy pace. And usually it's about 
let's just use 10 or 11 minute mile. And they're trying to maintain that on a hill, but now they've increased their effort level, their heart rate's spiking. So now they're actually going, they're making it more intense, right? They're increasing the intensity. So just having that, you know, education on it should feel easy. And that's why a bit of practice is involved as well. And trying to internally process how you're feeling can, can be a bit of a skill. It's a, it's a similar concept with running slow. I think running slow is a skill because it sometimes takes runners or new runners months to be like, I didn't know I could actually run this slow. I thought I had to run at this certain pace. And yeah, like anything, trying to internally process, okay, how, what is my intensity? What is my effort level right now? It can be a bit of a skill to hone in on. And instead of like assigning maybe a number, because my three might be someone else's five, um, just trying to assign some like characteristics to that, trying to assign, okay, what's my breath rate like? Um, can I whistle? Can I breathe through my nose without needing to, you know, take a big gulp of air through my mouth? Um, you know, what uh, conversation pace as well can be individualized for some, but it can be a nice indicator. How light do my legs feel? Do I feel like, or how long can I continue at this pace for? Can I continue for two hours? Can I continue for 40 minutes before it starts to get pretty tough? All of those sort of things can um, be nice characteristics to help people sort of hone in on what their intensity level or their goal intensity or effort level should be for that session. Very Indeed. nice. Okay. Uh, anything to comment on that? No, I agree. Cool. All right. Um, what are your thoughts on when we're talking about base training, like increasing that base. So it, no matter on what, what their starting point is, should there be a certain systematic progression of how many miles they should add per week or how much they should progress their long run per week? Is there any particular guidelines around that? Yeah, there are definitely, you know, some general guidelines, but again, this will definitely depend upon where the runner's at and, you know, have they, done speed work for are they a new runner are they an injured runner right off have they had these reoccurring injuries and frustrating injuries so all those variables come into play when prescribing these um, for our athletes but in general you know progressing long runs we want to make sure that we're not increasing that long run more than a mile every one to two weeks Right. So during this base training phase, it's not like you're going out there for a seven mile long run, then an eight, then a nine, then a 10 and 11. And you just keep going up and up and up and up because that's not base training. Right. That's you're actually loading a lot more than your tissues will be ready for. So you want to think about, you know, maybe doing two sevens for two weeks in a row and then you go up to an eight um, and, and we'll kind of get into kind of deloading. But yeah, about one mile every one to two weeks. And then in terms of adding in run days and how many times are you running per week, right? What's the frequency? Um, during this, you know, time period, it will, you know, obviously depend, right? It's like the answer for everything. It depends. But in general, adding one to two more runs per week over the course of two to three months, so runners are always going to stay healthier the more frequent that they allow their bodies to adapt to the demands of running. So it is rare that I work with a runner nowadays that needs a day off in between every single run. 
right? And I know that was a common misconception because I get runners all the time and say, oh no, I, I always need a day off in between runs. So I only can run, you know, three times a week because in the past I've always gotten injured. And, you know, now again, it's a huge educational point when I start working with someone, but I, I find that my runners who are running more frequently throughout the week actually get injured less, right? And they stay healthier than ones that um, run low frequency. But that being said, we don't want to ramp that up too soon. So if you are right now running three times per week, think about starting to run four times a week over the course of not one to two weeks, but two to three months, right? So this is a, a long process to allow your body to adapt um, to running. So we're adding in that fourth day. And then it will take that much time to add in a fifth day, right? And that's really what we're talking about and what Brody and I are so passionate about is, you know, staying healthy as a runner and being a lifelong injury-free runner. It's a matter of being consistent. And think of running as a lifestyle. If you're listening to this right now and you are, you know, listening because you're like, oh, I just signed up for a marathon. I'm going to run my first marathon. What is this base training stuff? This is where I should start, right? This is what I should do. Um, it's a matter of being consistent as a runner that's going to help you stay healthy. So we're gradually introducing that extra day over the course of months, and that's going to help you stay healthy. And then really adding in, you know, many runners don't do this either because, and I, I'm guilty as charged as being type A. Um, a lot of runners are type A personality. And it's a matter of we like numbers. We look at miles per week and we say, oh, I did 30 miles last week. And I, I want to see that 30 again on my watch at the end of my week. Like that actually felt pretty good. That was on my Garmin last week. And I was like, wow, this is the most mileage I've done in my quote unquote off season ever in my base training phase. Right. And then we want to see 30 each week and we want to see 31 and 32 and we want to go up, but we have to have these deloading weeks and we have these what we call cutback weeks. So every three to five weeks during training, we want to actually think of cutting back. And usually we'll do that with the long run, um, especially during base training phase. You know, when you're in your peak training, then you can have these deload weeks of your speed work as well. But during base training, it's a matter of before we, we were using the example of seven, eight, nine, you know, so we might do two sevens, an eight and a nine. And then I will cut back to either seven or six the following week for their long run. And then you go back up to nine. Right. So there's this kind of slowly building in steps. And again, not every single week you're building, but it's almost like you go up two steps, you stay there for a little bit, you go up one, and then we go back down, have this deload week, cut back, and then we go back to where we left off. And then that's how we gradually build up. So that is, um, you know, an important uh, component as well. Nice. So every three to five weeks is a pretty nice balance. Would you? whether it's three weeks or whether it's five weeks, would that just depend on the runner and how they're feeling, how their legs are feeling, how their body and recovery is going? Exactly. Exactly. And that's where the beauty of, you know, if you do have a run coach, that's when you're communicating with them and letting them know. And, you know, all the other variables too, you know, that runners go through Brody and I were just talking about this before we hopped on here. We have these like super cold, uh, temperatures going on right now in most, you know, of the States and all of our runners are, you know, we're out there in, you know, 
single digit Fahrenheit uh, degrees or minus, you know, I went on a couple runs. It was like, feels like, you know, minus six degrees. And so there are these variables that come into play. And then there's the stress variable. And then there's the COVID variable, right? There's so many runners right now getting COVID. And depending upon how it affects, it affects everyone so differently. Um, We've had some runners that have been kind of down and out for, you know, the count for a good week. So if they went through that, (laughs) then when they're coming back after that and they're healthy, that ramping up is going to be slightly different than someone who is feeling great. And, you know, that is one of the, I guess, um, you know, big things we also see is, you know, how do you know if you're hitting the right intensity? And it is a matter of making sure that you aren't fatigued, you know, when it's time for your next run, especially during this base training phase. Um, You might feel a little tired, but if the thought of running ever exhausts you, um, and sometimes it's not even just physical, it is mental too, right? So if you are going through a lot of stress, if you're stressed about work, you just got laid off, you just got a new job, a promotion, and now the demands of work are so high and your sleep isn't good and all of, you know, that's affecting you physically and that is going to affect what is going to be programmed for your run. So you just want to make sure that you are not keeping, you know, the intensity too high during this um, base phase. Yeah, it's sort of adapting your training to the circumstances of your well-being and sort of and your recovery and all those other components that, you know, operate the runner as a whole because those sort of things like you say sleep, stress do impact your recovery and your body to switch into recovery mode which can then if it's not optimized can definitely affect your performance and you can overtrain. You can have those training errors without you even really knowing if you've diligently followed your numbers. Um, so very interesting point. An interesting question came in from one of the patrons, Reese. He asked, um, how does a runner increase their base training for ultras? So like really going from like a 50 K to a hundred K, um, is it different um, when you're, when the volumes are so much larger or do we approach the base training in the same philosophy? Great question. And I do have to give a shout out to our, our coaching team for this one, because I myself, um, have not run ultras. I've programmed, um, some for athletes, but my hand I up really, as well. yes, <laughs> I really had to go to the experts in our coaching team that have run ultras before. So yeah, I'm going to give uh, Kat, Lou and Whitney shout outs here because, um, they had some great points, um, that I think is very important to think about. I think the biggest thing, um, that we want to think about is training for ultras is all about time on your feet versus mileage or distance of running so when we're looking at you know base training we're not looking at oh i have to go out there for a 25 mile run we're thinking we're gradually building up time on your feet and you know Coach Cat brings up a good point in terms of, you know, what is the surface that we're on? Are we doing trail ultras, which are usually most common, right? And then, you know, versus a road ultra, um, because that is going to make a difference in what your base training looks like. You know, the trail base training, we want to think definitely more hill work into this base training phase. We want to actually add those hills. Um, generally speaking, speed workouts aren't a high priority at all for trail running, um, because it's really not going to matter 
adding speed if it's muddy, if you're having to cross streams, if you're almost hiking at points of your run, um, which is common in these 50K and 100Ks. Um, so, you know, not focusing on speed work, but focusing more on getting in hill work and then time on your feet. And then, you know, if you also doing more back-to-back runs. So that's what many ultra runners will do is really slowly increasing those back-to-back timed runs. So for example, on a Saturday, you might do a two-hour run on a Saturday, followed by a three-hour run on a Sunday. And that's really getting that, you know, accumulating that time on your feet in that duration um, that you have. So you know, and the other the other point that um, Coach Cat and Lou actually made is that the 50K, for example, is only five more miles than a marathon. So usually, especially if it is a road 50K, your marathon training base would be the same for a 50K if you're doing a road. Um, and really, Coach Lou and Coach Cat, um, Coach Whitney, talk about tech technicality of the trail if it is a trail 50k or 100k you know uh, coach whitney lives out in arizona um, out west in the states and it is very technical out there out west and really thinking about what is your terrain for your race because that's what you want to think about training during this base phase is if it is a very technical trail then you want to make sure that your runs that you're going on are very technical um and that you're getting your body ready for that degree of technicality that's required for your runs, as well as thinking about, are you going to come into contact with creatures out there on your runs, different types of plants? Like there are all these other factors as well as is your ultra going to be running in the dark? And if that is the case, are you practicing running in the dark in your base training phase? Um, because if you don't know how to run in the dark and it does require a degree of skill to do that, um, then you want to practice that during um, your base training as well. Nice. And alongside those back-to-back days, I've seen some ultra runners. It's not uncommon to do um, double runs on a, on a day as well, like run in the morning, run in the evening to try and accumulate that mileage. Um Fantastic. And like just before that question, when we were talking about, you know, the general holistic well-being side of things, I my philosophy when it comes to building up your mileage, if you have to go from 50K to 100K, um, you need to make sure that your recovery is more dialed in. And the bigger your weekly mileage, the more you have to prioritize recovery, the more important sleep becomes, the more important diet becomes and stress management and all those sort of things. Otherwise, you're just burning candles at both ends and eventually he's going to get burned out or overtrained or an injury is going to develop. And so making sure that the the more mileage you want to do, if you want to go from a marathon to an ultra, your um, previous recovery strategies might not suffice. You need to like build upon that and make sure it's higher on the, that priority list. Um, that's my little tidbit that I thought I'd add in there, even though it's not really not much to do about base training, but um Thanks, Reese. Thanks for asking that question. That was great. We're running out of time, Dwayne. Is there any other final takeaways that you have around this base train that we might not have covered already? Um, any other final takeaways for the listeners? Um, I think that, you know, a misconception is that your base training, your off season, you don't need a coach. I think a really good coach can make sure that your base training is at the right intensity for your fitness level. A lot of people, you know, think they only need a coach when they want to do their race training. Um, but 
the base, as we talked about today, is vital in having success in your race that's going to be, you know, later on. So kind of trusting that process and making sure, honestly, a lot of the coaching that we do is it's a matter of protecting people from themselves, right? And, and doing too much too soon or running too fast or not getting in the recovery or not getting in their strength training, right? And keeping them accountable, providing them support, providing them structure during this quote unquote off season and, you know, having somewhat of a plan. And if you can make a plan and time and schedule that you're, you know, devoting for it, but leaving time for the unexpected and being really, you know, realistic and listening to your body and not comparing yourself to others, especially during this phase. Um, and then, you know, the other comment that uh, Brooke RD kind of uh, also highlighted as a, a takeaway is really not underestimating the basics. You know, there's so many fancy gadgets and products to try, but the basics of strength training, base building, and adequate nutrition will keep you so much further and focused in the nitty gritty Um you know, of the data, the supplements, the fancy shoes. So really use the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of why I I direct everyone to the first 10 episodes of my podcast because they just contain the 10 universal principles every runner needs to know. And whenever I uh, have a new listener and there is 200 episodes and they get overwhelmed or just start listening to the the first ones I say always go back listen to the first 10 and then scroll through the feed and find ones you're interested in after that because you just then you've learned the basics and then everything on top of that every additional bit of information is just um yeah icing on the cake apart from the the baseline foundation so great tip and when it comes to the coaching as well I think there's enough runners to go through their preparation where they try and train for a marathon or train for any particular race and then just get it wrong. A lot of, a lot of times they're, they've recognized that, Oh, you know, I could have done better or that training was horrible. Every time I train, I end up with an injury or they've been through the ringer enough to say, okay, maybe it's time I actually get some assistance and probably flows on really nicely to any particular um, social media links or, you know, your podcast or your website, if anyone is interested in coaching, um, what links should I add in the, in the show notes? Yeah. Sparkyourtraining.com is home base. So you can find everything there. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this, then, you know, you would probably be interested in the healthy runner podcast as Brody and I have uh, very similar thoughts and beliefs on how to keep runners healthy um, and continue training uh, for longevity. So that's what we really focus on is, you know, getting stronger, faster and becoming, you know, or enjoying lifelong injury free running. So like I say, I want to run until I'm in the box. Um, So that's my goal. And I just try to learn as much as I can from folks like Brody and, you know, share um, as much as I kind of the knowledge that I get and, you know, everything we have in our communities. But yeah, we do, um, you know, like I mentioned, we have a coaching team. So, you know, we do really specialize in keeping runners, you know, providing them the support, the accountability, the structure of not only the run plan, but also a strength plan. And then having, you know, me on the team as your kind of physio to keep you healthy. And when you get those kind of aches and pains or niggles creep up, you know, can kind of steer you in the right direction uh, to prevent, you know, your training from being derailed or, you know, prevent you from having to go to the doctor and, you know, them saying, well, you got this from running. So just stop running for four weeks and then 
go ahead and try it again. Um, Because as we know, that is not the best advice um, for most injuries. Of course, yeah. Well, uh, no doubt you'll be on this podcast again um, in the the near future. So until next time, um, Dwayne, thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge all about base training. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on again, Brody. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path. <laughs>